Listen, let's get into tonight's teaching because we're going to be talking about understanding the cycle of seed, time, and harvest. The cycle, because you look at that word, seed, time, harvest, okay? That indicates that there is a seed time, okay? And then there's a harvest. And I need you to know what happens in between that time because Pastor Sean and I have been doing what we consider a lot of teaching because we we typically uh, hadn't always spent an extensive amount of time teaching on this subject. But we told you in the month of October that we were going to start spending a lot of time on it. And so we have, you know, I went back and I was looking at some of my notes and some of the things that we've been teaching. And we started this off. We were talking about the supernatural power of a seed. Uh, and, and we did a, 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 a pretty lengthy teaching on the supernatural power of a seed. We then came back and we spent two full uh, teaching Sundays talking about partnering with God in order to build wealth. And as we started talking through these different things, uh, people started sending messages. They started sending questions. Uh, we got all kinds of responses from people saying, hey, I've been in church all my life. I never heard anybody explain sowing and reaping this way. Uh, I, I've never understood these principles. This is so good. Uh, and so then we came back and we started talking about, you know, making sure people understood that while we are talking about money, we're not just talking about money. And so we did a full teaching on how to live the TLP lifestyle, that total life prosperity type of life. Uh, we backed that up with God's supernatural system of supply. There were, again, another two full Sunday teachings right around that. Pastor Shun did a teaching uh, that was so good. I don't know if it was a strategies for success or, or what, but it was a, it was one of the ones I have on my list that I've listened to a couple of times while I'm walking. Uh, and it was called Learning to Ignore the Wind learning to ignore the wind. And it was all about making sure that you're not uh, considering your natural state of affairs when the Lord is telling you to do something. In this case, when he's telling you where to sow, when to sow, and how much to sow, that you don't consider the wind. Because we understand and we know that if the clouds be full of rain, they will empty themselves. But if you consider and look for the perfect condition, the perfect time to sow, that you never will. And then last week, I got a chance to come and share with you uh, from the subject, Unlocking God's Financial Promises. And how many of you know God has some financial promises for us? In fact, if you believe that, go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, God has financial promises for me. God has financial promises for me. And we talked about that with those financial promises, we have a part to play. We have to be in faith. We said we have to use our words and we have to display our actions. We have to be we, we have to be active. Right. That it's not just enough to to call ourselves being in faith and using words, but then not doing anything. And we couldn't just talk a good game and do something, but not be believing. Right. We said we had to have all three of those things working. We have to have we have to be in faith. Right. Understanding what faith is. And then we have to be in faith. We must remember to use our words because our words are like containers and they hold these promises. And if we don't speak them, 
right? If we don't give them back to God, uh, then the enemy has a way of causing us to say the wrong thing. And then we have to move or act on what we believe. And then on Sunday, we started talking about cultivating wealth God's way. And so I just went back and I was looking at all of the teachings and everything that we have been doing. And, and I started looking at some of the questions people were sending in. And one of the questions that showed up time and time again was this question. It was, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do after I sow my seed? And before my harvest shows up, what do I do? And so uh, my spiritual father taught me years ago. He said, if you start seeing the same kind of question show up in your church over and over again, you have to pause and you have to begin to teach it. Because if you don't, then people walk away with misconceptions. And if people walk away with misconceptions, when they get new information, they put that new information on top of a wrong or an incorrect uh, conception. It would be like building a house on a faulty foundation. At some point, something's going to give. And then everything that you thought you knew was going to tumble down. And so I want to spend, since this is Bible study, I want to spend tonight talking to you about understanding this cycle. Because there is a cycle in seed time and harvest. A lot of people, what they want to do is they want to sow a seed. And if we're talking about a financial seed, they want to sow a financial seed. And the next morning they wake up, they want that harvest. They almost want something magic like Jack and the Beanstalk. Remember how Jack threw the beans out the window and he got up the next day and there was a beanstalk that went all the way up into the clouds. A lot of believers, a lot of Christians think somehow sowing seed works that way, but it doesn't. Your responsibility is to obey God when God gives you a direction. Once you have done that, I want to talk tonight about what are your other responsibilities? Because one of the responsibilities you never have is to cause the harvest to come in. That's not your job. That is not your job. Let me say that again. It is never your job to cause the harvest to come in. It is your job to be obedient to God and to sow whatever God's telling you to sow, whether that's a financial seed, whether that's a seed of time, whether it's a seed of empathy, whether it's a seed of understanding, whatever God has called you to sow, your job is to obey God. It then becomes God's responsibility to cause the harvest to come into your life. So the question becomes, what do I do in between the time that I sow my seed and I reap my harvest? All right. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That is what we are going to get into. That is what we're going to uh, understand tonight because, hey, we're a teaching ministry. Right. We are a teaching ministry. We do not de despise repetitive teaching. And one of the things that we know, and my wife and I were walking today and we said, you know, we're going to make teaching sexy. 
We're going to make it sexy that people want to come and sit down and hear the word of God and not just have their ears tickled, not just be entertained and then go home and be the same. We're going to make it so that people are standing in line with their notebooks and their pencils ready to be taught the word of God, not just so they can fill up a notebook, but so that they can live out everything that they are hearing. Because what I hear from many believers is that is their frustration. They hear word, but they don't know how to apply it. They don't know what to do. And so we're going to make teaching sexy. Somebody put that in the comment section. Say we're making teaching sexy. That's what we're doing. We are making teaching sexy. Now, I want to read something. I wrote this disclosure in my notes tonight. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Because not for your sake, but for the sake of those who may hear this who don't know us. At Fellowship of Champions Church, when we teach about the concept or the principles of seed time and harvest, we always do our best to caution believers against the mindset of having a purely transactional view. Okay? That's my disclaimer. We are always trying to get people to understand that when we talk about seed time and harvest, we are not talking about some kind of quid pro quo, right? We're not talking about some transactional view. We do something to get God's blessings. See, we understand we're already blessed, okay? We're already blessed. We're not trying to do something to get God to bless us. There's, this is not a transactional viewpoint. This is not some quid pro quo, all right? Now, while we understand, we do, we understand the lure of both of these viewpoints, Pastor Sean and I, Pastor Ralph, Pastor Nitra, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chandra, Elder Val, anybody who stands before you under my authority in this ministry, they're going to always emphasize the principles that are both spiritual and moral, okay? There are spiritual and moral principles that we need to understand in seed time and harvest because the whole cycle of seed time and harvest is designed to help us develop our character. And I'm going to show you this tonight. It is designed to help us develop our character, to help us become who we truly have been called to be. Now, understand this. Seed time and harvest isn't just about uh, trying to get something from God. That's not what this is about. It is about cultivating virtues and developing a character that aligns with God's will as much as expecting tangible outcomes. I can't expect God to bless me when I sow because his word says so. Okay, has nothing to do with me. It has all the weight is on God's word. But at the same time, I need to understand that when God calls me to sow, he calls me to sow because there's a period of time that I sow before I harvest. And in that space of time, what God is wanting to do is to develop virtues in me and he wants to develop my character so that those things align with his will. Amen, amen, amen. Now, the principle of seed time and harvest is not something that preachers made up to try to get something from you. I need you to know that. 
when people begin to talk about seed time and harvest, it's not a gimmick. It's not a, a, a scam. It's not a hook. Uh, even if people try to do it that way, if you will understand the principles of it, then you won't ever get caught up in it. Because one of the things that we teach about seed time and harvest is that anytime you sow a seed, you need to hear God. That's the reason we tell you, you should never give out of emotion. You should never give under compulsion. You should never give because somebody said there's five people in the ministry. And, 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 I, and, I, and I believe the Lord said, Father, you are supposed to give a thousand dollars. And whoever gives the first thousand dollars, they're going to have the biggest blessing. See, that is not what seed time and harvest is. Yes, I know people have said it. Yes, I know people do it. But that is not what seed time and harvest is really all about. What is seed time and harvest is about? Seed time and harvest is a concept that comes straight from the Bible. In fact, it can be found in Genesis 8.22. In Genesis 8.22, you see where God begins to make this promise to Noah and to all future generations after the flood saying this. He says, while the earth remains, there is going to be seed time and harvest. He said, there's going to be cold and heat. There's going to be summer and winter. There's going to be day and night and none shall cease. Now, how many of you know that we had daytime earlier today? And if you're one of our international partners, it may be daytime where you are now. But right now it's nighttime where we are. And if you're one of our international partners, it may be nighttime later on. How many of you know we had a season of hot? And how many know we're getting ready to head into a season of cold? Then if that's true, and we know we have day and night, we know we have summer and winter, we know we have cold and heat, then seed time and harvest is still one of God's principles. Somebody put in the comment section, say seed time and harvest still remains. Seed time and harvest still remains. So tonight, we're going to explore a divine principle that is integral to our spiritual understanding of seed time and harvest. And what I'm calling this teaching tonight is understanding the cycle of seed time and harvest. Now, this cycle is not merely an agricultural concept, okay? Although we can certainly look in the natural and we can see the process played out in the life of a farmer. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can look at natural things and glean spiritual things from it. Because everything that exists in the natural came from the spirit world. And so if I can look and I can understand the natural concept of seed time and harvest, then I can also glean from that process and from the properties that's happening in that process, I can then glean what is happening on the spiritual side of it. And tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. See, seed time and harvest is a profound spiritual truth, one that when understood and nurtured will yield an abundant life, rich in faith, rich in trust, and rich in blessings. God's empowerment up on you to succeed. But the question that a lot of people have and a lot of and the question a lot of people have been asking us over these last um, eight weeks since we started kind of teaching this subject is, Pastor, what do you do when you have planted your seed and you are now waiting 
for your divinely appointed harvest. And tonight, I want to share with you what you need to be doing. I want to share with you what Pastor Sean and I do. I want to share with you why we have learned to accelerate the time between our seed time and between our harvest. And I want to share that with you so that you can be doing the same. Now, I don't often tell people to do this, but this is one of those times tonight where I, I am telling you, you ought to probably get you a notebook. You ought to grab you a piece of paper. You ought to, you ought to call your kids. They're done with, with, with uh, Ignite right now. Have them to go get you a notebook, get you a piece of paper, get you a pencil, get you a pen, get you an iPad. Because I am going to give you the seven things that you ought to be doing after you have sown your seed. And you should be doing them, watch this, simultaneously. It's not like I do one one day one. You need to do them simultaneously if you expect to exceed the time between seed time and harvest. I'm going to give you the seven things and I'm going to give you scriptures to give you a foundation for those things. And then I'm going to challenge you as your pastor that you go back and you read those scriptures in various translations and that you find other supporting scriptures. Why? Because you can never be convinced enough of anything without having the word. It's great that I preach to you. It's great that, that, that you are in tune tonight. Those of you on YouTube, those of you that are on uh, Facebook, those of you who will be watching this later, I'm glad you are here. I am so glad you are here. But I can assure you, you will not remember everything I'm going to teach you. Pastor Sean said something on Sunday that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about in a long time. She says, in the course of a week, for one single 60 to 90 minute teaching, that we share with you, we spend on average eight hours of sermon prep. Eight hours of sermon prep to give you 90 minutes of understanding of which research says you will not remember 17% of. At best, you'll remember 17% of what I'm going to teach tonight. And I'm okay with that, but don't let everything I teach you totally slip. Get you a piece of paper. Get you a notebook, write this down, and then make the commitment to go back and listen to this message several times until when someone asks you, Kimberly, Courtney, what do I do after I've sown my seed? You can say, here's what you need to do. And you begin to preach to them and teach to them just like you created this message because it needs to get down on the inside of you so that it can take root and you can become everything that God wants you to be. Amen? All right. Here's the first thing you knew. Let's, let's say you've sown your seed, because that's where we're working from tonight. All right? You've already sown your seed. You've heard God. You've obeyed God. Now what do you do? The first thing you need to do is you need to stay active in faith. We know that faith is now. But what do I mean by stay active in faith? I mean that you need to understand that faith is not static. Faith is not static. It is active. It requires ongoing commitment and it requires ongoing action. By actively participating, uh, by, by actively practicing faith, you become more attuned to God and you become better prepared to receive the things that he has to say to you. 
This involves continually engaging with what God has said and what God is saying and maintaining a connection with God through prayer, through worship, and adherence to what Holy Spirit is speaking to you along the way. Faith is not static. It requires an ongoing commitment. Now, we all know our definition of faith. I know we do. We all know our definition of faith. Faith is a supernatural force, right? We know that faith comes from God. We know that faith was given to the believer. It is for the believer so that we can use that supernatural force to cause the will of God to come to pass in the earth. That is not a one-time thing. When God speaks to me, I have to understand that every day I need to be taking actions based on God's word. Faith is not static. How do I know faith is not, not static? Well, let's take a look at a couple of scriptures here. I'm going to give you about three or four of these that you can write down. And you can write these down or you can go back and read them and then add other scriptures to them. But the main thing you have to do after you've sown your seed is you got to stay in active faith. Why? Because the enemy's going to want to come and get you out of faith. We've talked about this. If the Lord says to you, I want you to give X as a seed. And it happens to be the biggest seed maybe you ever get you ever gave. Let's say you're trying to pass that choke level test that we talked about a few weeks ago. And you say, OK, God, I believe you. You're going to do it. The moment you sow that seed, the enemy's going to come and say, you fool. You big dummy. I can't believe you just gave all that money away. You're going to need that money for some new tires. You're going to need that money for some new clothes. What you going to do when your air conditioner go out? What you going to do when you got to get gas? He's going to come and bombard you with everything that he can to get you to doubt what you have just done. And I know I'm preaching right. If you've ever sown a significant seed, and, and again, when we say significant, we mean an obedient seed. We're not talking about amount. Whenever you have obeyed God in the area of your sowing, the enemy has came to you and tried to tell you that what you did was wrong. The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. So you're going to have to learn to practice staying in active faith, being an active believer, being actively convinced every day, going above and beyond what your flesh is trying to tell you and staying active in your faith. So let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold fast. Okay, that means I got to be doing something. I got to be active. I'm holding fast. What am I holding fast to? The confession of our hope. What's the confession of our hope? Whatever God has told us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And we hold fast without what? Without wavering. For he, God, who promised is what? Faithful. Somebody type, type in the comment section, God is faithful. I need to see about 50 people typing in, this, typing in these comment sections, God is faithful. If you need God to be faithful in your life and you believe he is faithful in your life, then you can't open your mouth so I can hear you, but you can use your fingers and type it. God is faithful. Now, now that we know that, let's look at James 1 and 6. James 1 and 6 says, but when you ask God for something, 
Okay, this is what this is what I'm doing after I've sown my seed. When you ask God for something, you must believe, right? And you must not doubt, because anyone who doubts becomes like a wave of the sea, and they get blown and tossed by the wind. What is the wind? It's every deceitful thing the enemy wants to whisper to you to make you think that what you have sown is a mistake. That, you're, that you obeying God is a mistake. He wants to blow and whisper to you. Pastor Sean told you on Sunday when she was teaching, she told you, she said, the only access the enemy has to you is through your faith. I mean, it's through your flesh. He doesn't have access to you through your faith, only through your flesh. So he's going to whisper things. He's going to whisper distractions. He's going to whisper doubt and unbelief. And listen, he's going to try to make you think that what you did was a boneheaded move. I remember the first time Pastor, the first time the Lord asked Pastor Sean and I to sow a $10,000 seed. I know God, I, I know that God told us to do it. But when, as soon as we released that $10,000 seed, I remember the feeling of stupidity that rushed over me. That did not come from God. That did not come from God. And I had to have enough word in me to say, no, I know what God said. I'm going to hold fast to this confession of hope that I have that when I obey God, I always end up better. And I can't tell you how much harvest has come over the years off that $10,000 seed and, and, and bigger seeds that we, we've sown in, in terms of reaching that choke level for us. Why? Because God is faithful who promised. You guys type in the comment section. God is faithful. Now, I, I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says we are to pray without ceasing. Now, understand when this word pray, and Pastor Chandra has taught this before, praying is not begging. It didn't say beg without ceasing. It says to pray. When we pray, we say God's word back to him. So I am saying God's word back to him without ceasing. God, you said you are unwilling to do without. A, a quick, prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in his giving. That's me, Lord. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that when I ask, I believe I receive and there is no doubt in my thinking. What am, why am I doing this? Because this keeps me active in my faith. Now, Hebrews 11 and 1 says it like this. It says, now faith is, this thing that I'm active in, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it is the conviction of things not seen. The Amplified says that it is my title deed. It is the title deed that I have. That means I have ownership of what it is God has promised. How can I say I have ownership of it when I can't see it yet? Because God is faithful. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If God has said it, it is true. That's why I have to believe when I ask that I have whatsoever I ask. So when I sow my seed and God says, I am going to bless you, I receive that blessing. Now, we said before, you don't get to determine how God's going to bless you. 
You just don't get to do that. You don't get to determine when you sow the seed. Well, God, you got to show up like this. God says, I'm going to pour you out an empowerment, right? So that empowerment comes and it comes just as I need it as I'm trusting God. So the first thing I got to learn to do is I got to learn to stay active in my faith. I sowed my seed, but I got to make sure I'm active in my faith. If you're not active in your faith, then, then, then you are hindering the growth of your harvest in the same way that a farmer who went to his field and sowed a seed did not take care of that seed before it became his harvest. Okay, You are a farmer of the thing that you have sown. Here's the second thing you need to do. Once you are staying active in your faith, and remember, although I'm giving, to, giving these to you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, they are simultaneous. You need to be doing them all at the same time. All right? Here's the second thing you need. You need to nurture your growth. Just as a seed in the natural requires water and sunlight and care in order to grow, Whatever faith endeavor you're involved in is going to require some ongoing attention. Whatever faith endeavor you are, you are in, whether you got a faith endeavor to pay off your house, a faith endeavor to be healed, a faith endeavor to recover that relationship, a faith endeavor in order for your children to be safe, whatever faith endeavor, whatever faith fight you are in, it is going to require some ongoing attention. So you have to make sure that you are doing everything you can to nurture your seed. Spiritually, this point speaks to the idea of your own personal development in faith. Once you've sown your seed, it's not the time to just be sitting back and waiting to see the harvest. You need to use the time in between sowing and harvesting to grow up in the things of God so that you can handle the harvest when it comes in. Far too many people aren't ready to receive what God has for you yet because what God has for you has to be handled by an adult in Christ. And even though you've been in church 30 years, you're still a babe in Christ. And so you got to make sure that you're nurturing your growth. Once you've sown your seed or your seeds, it's the time for you to now go and figure out, okay, God, what's the area you need me to grow in? Until my harvest come in, how can I improve in this area? How can I get more disciplined in this area? How can I stop being so moved by my emotions in this area? Just as a gardener has to tend to plants, nurturing your growth means actively engaging in practices that enhance your spiritual understanding and maturity. Somebody type this in the comment section. Say, after I sow my seed, it's time to grow up. Every time I sow a seed, it's an opportunity for me to mature. Every time I sow a seed, every time I obey God, the next thing I should be looking to do is, okay, God, how can I grow up? Because I know the thing you're going to give me, I cannot handle it at this current level. I have to grow up. How do I grow up? I study God's word. I participate with my spiritual community. I, I listen to what my pastors are teaching and then I apply them to my life. I don't just clap and say, woo, pastor, you taught a good word. Woo, pastor, that was amazing. Woo, pastor, you sure can preach. Woo, pastor, I love them three keys and them five steps. You actually take what was taught and you go 
and you live it out. Remember I said Christians need to get out the lab? Church is the lab. Church, Christians love going to the lab. Ooh, I go to the lab, I learn something new. Ooh, I go to the lab, I learn a new revelation. Ooh, I go to the lab, I learn me some Greek. Ooh, I go to the lab, I learn me some Hebrew. But have you lived anything outside the lab? Fellowship of Champions is about living outside the lab. I teach what I teach. My wife teaches what she teaches so that you can harness that knowledge, harness that wisdom, harness that revelation, and then go out and apply it to your life so that you can see that seed become so big as the Bible says you can now live your dreams in that seed. So, Pastor, how do I nurture my growth? Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. And again, I'm giving you some scriptures, but these are not uh, infinite. You need to go and find so many others that go along with this. John chapter 15, verse four. It says, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit. Neither can your harvest come unless you remain in me. So one of the ways that I nurture my growth is by remaining or sticking or partnering with God in everything I do. I got to remain in him. If God tells me to sow a seed and I sow a seed, right? And now it's my opportunity to grow, right? I can't just neglect Bible study. I can't neglect prayer. I can't neglect fasting. I can't neglect uh, uh, praying in the Holy Spirit. At our church, we have four commitments that we ask people to participate in. We have four commitments that we ask people to participate in all the time. Number one, we ask them to read their word daily. We said, read your word every single day. We ask people to spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you spend time praying in the Holy Spirit every single day. And then we also ask people to make sure that they're taking communion more often, right? And then we ask them not to miss a service. And you never have to miss a service at FOC because even if you don't catch it live, guess what? You can catch the replay. You can catch the replay. And so we ask you to not miss those things every single time because we know they aid in your growth. The Bible tells us in Psalms one, in, in, in Psalm chapter one, verse three, it says we should be like a tree planted by, by streams of water. Why should we be like that? Because those types of trees, they yield their fruit in season. In other words, everything that's supposed to happen when on God's timing, it happens for them. It says in their leaf does not wither. In other words, it doesn't matter about the season. It doesn't. Let me say it like this. It doesn't matter about the economy. Oh, pastor, you know, interest rates are high. I'm rich whether interest rates are high or low. Oh, pastor, you know, gas prices are high. Gas, the price of gas ain't never going to stop me from going where I want to go. My God shall, shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Oh, pastor, you know, uh, the price of plane tickets is going up. Ain't going to stop me from traveling. I wish I had some other people out there tonight who were saying, you know what, ain't going to stop me. 
prices ain't gonna stop me. My leave does not wither. Oh, you know it's getting so bad. I ain't gonna be able to help nobody for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Listen, Sean, the Camp Street gonna bless some people for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't care what the economy looks like. Ain't gonna stop me. Ain't gonna stop me. I wish I had some folks who said, Pastor, ain't gonna stop me either. Listen, if it ain't gonna stop you, put a put a put a two in the comment section. Ain't gonna stop me either, Nitra. Ain't gonna stop me, Sid. Ain't gonna stop me, Miss Oliver. It ain't gonna stop me. Why? My God shall supply everything that I need. My faith will cause me to be in abundance, to be able to do every charitable deed he calls me to. And it's going to mean I'm going to have enough to require, watch this, no aid or support. I'm going to be the man supplying those who need. Why? Because my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. But I got to nurture my growth along the way. Look at 2 Peter 3 and 18. 2 Peter 3 and 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Or it is so. And then Colossians 2 and 7. It says, Be rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay? Now, here are, the two, here are two of the seven things, all right? Let's get to the rest of these, but here's two of them. I got to stay active in faith, and I got to nurture my growth. Here's the third thing I got to do. I got to stay positive and hopeful. I'm going to say it like this. You got to watch your mouth. You got to watch your mouth. Keeping a positive outlook is essential. Optimism can be a powerful tool in maintaining your perseverance and your resilience. Stay positive and hopeful refers to maintaining a hopeful and optimistic attitude. You can't be running around talking about, I sold my seed, but ain't nothing happening. Watch your words. Watch your words. It's about trusting that positive outcomes are ahead and that God has a plan for each and everything he's called you to do. This optimism is not a passive thing. It's not a hoping and a wishing and a praying and a, and a shucking and a jiving. It's about being rooted in the steadfastness of God's promises. I know that sometimes FOC can come off as arrogant. I get that. It used to bother me. We tried to taper it down. But we cannot taper it down when we believe that we believe that we believe what God has said. It's not arrogance. It is confidence. And it's not confidence in us. It's confidence in God's ability. God is faithful. And I'm sorry if my belief that God is faithful is offensive to you. You're either going to have to come up to my level or get out of my presence because I'm never going to doubt God again a day in my life. And I wish I had about 50, about 50 of you who said me either, Pastor. I'm not lowering my standard when it comes to believing God. God said he can do anything. That is my standard. God told me that if I had the faith the size of a mustard seed, that I could speak to a mountain and that mountain would have to get up and obey me. I'm not backing down on what I believe. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not backing down. And if it offends you, you got to deal with it. 
If it makes you think that I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm arrogant, that's a problem you have to deal with because I am just going to believe God. So I got to stay positive. How do I stay positive? Let's look, let's look at a couple of these scriptures. Philippians 1 and 6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God ain't through with me. Every promise God has made, I'm going to get to see it. Every promise he has made to Edwin Strickland, I will see it. I trust and believe God. Romans 12 and 12. It says, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. God, I thank you. I've sown my seed. Now, God, I, I have an expectation. My some uh, Isaiah says it like this. My expectation comes only from the Lord. So I'm rejoicing in that expectation I have based on God's word. It then says, be patient in tribulation. Now, we're going to talk about this for just a second. This word patient doesn't mean passive either. The word patient means what? Y'all been with me long enough. You know this. I know there's a time delay and I'm not going to wait, but you know this. You can type it in the comment section. Patience means consistency. He says rejoice in hope, be consistent in tribulation, and be constant in prayer or be constant in saying back to me what I have said to you. You got to be consistent. You can't be running around talking about it's been two weeks. I ain't seen my harvest yet. It's been a month. I don't know what God doing. Maybe it ain't for me. Don't use your words to, to dig up your seed. Let me tell you what that looks like. Let me tell you what that looks like. If a farmer goes and plants a seed, the farmer has to have faith that everything that is in that ground will do everything it's supposed to do to get that seed to produce everything is inside of it. If that farmer goes to that ground and every day digs up that seed to see what it's doing, that seed will never produce a harvest. That seed will never produce a harvest. He's got to put that seed in the ground and he's got to leave it. He's got to leave it. He's got to release it from his hand. He cannot plant that seed on Monday and go out there on Tuesday and dig that seed up and see if it sprouted. He cannot put that seed back in the ground on Tuesday when it didn't sprout and then come back on Wednesday and dig it up, take it out of the ground and see if it, if it sprouted on Wednesday. He will never receive a harvest that way. And if you use your words inappropriately, every time you do it, you dig up that seed. Some of you are wondering why you planted a seed a year ago and you ain't seen a harvest. What have you been saying? What have you been saying? Because if you aren't saying what God says, if you haven't been praying constantly, if you haven't been patient or consistent, if you haven't been rejoicing in the thing you cannot see yet, then no wonder your harvest hasn't come in. Romans 12 and 2 tells us that. It says, rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. And then Romans 15 and 13 says, may the God of hope, praise God, may he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I promised myself I wasn't going to get too hyped tonight. But when I read these words, I can't help myself. Lord Jesus, may the God of hope fill you with all joy.
May he fill you with all peace, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken is what that word means. As I do what? Trust in him. Why do I need to trust in him? So that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, <laughs> you got to read what Paul was saying to the Romans. He says, may the God of hope, okay? He, he tells us in Romans 12 and 2, in that earliest same, same, chat, same uh, 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 book, he tells them, he says, rejoice in hope. He says, be patient in tribulation and be constant in, in prayer. Later on in that same letter, he says to them, now may the God of hope, okay? He says, fill you with all joy. He's not even asking you to, to, to rejoice on your own. He says, the God of hope is gonna fill you with joy so that you can rejoice. <laughs> My God today. He says, as you trust in him, he's gonna cause you to overflow in hope. Now, why do you need to overflow in hope? Because you're going to encounter some people who might be weak in their faith. And you're going to need to tell them, listen, I used to be like you. But I learned how to cultivate this cycle of seed, time, and harvest. I learned how to stay active in my faith. I learned how to nurture and grow. And I learned how to stay positive. And I can tell you today I'm on the other side of what happens when you sow your seed. I'm living in the harvest. I'm overflowing with hope. And I'm here to give you some hope. Let me put my faith with yours. Let me help you understand what I had to learn, what I came into revelation about so that we can both live out that total life prosperity lifestyle that my pastors was preaching about to me. That's why you overflow with hope. And it's not just some made up hope. He says it's with hope by the power, the dudamus of the Holy Spirit. What is dudamus? It's that rearranging power. It's the power to blow up all of your doubts, to blow up all of your belief, to blow off all of your insecurities. It's the power to cause you to believe God in such a way that not believing God is not an option. My God. Isaiah 40, 31. Let me get through. It said, but those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. Some of y'all are wore out. Some... I don't understand when people be talking about preachers getting burned out. How you get burned out when you stay in the word? You get burned out because you're busy with activity. You, you can't be more busy with activity than you are in the word. Oh, pastor, I'm just burned out. You ain't got enough word. That word, Jeremiah said that word was like a fire. Shut up in his bones. You get the word of God on the inside of you, it'll burn out all of that burnout. He says, but those who hope in the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. They are going to soar on wings like eagles, meaning they're going to be top notch. They're going to be flying at the highest altitude possible. He says, they will run and not grow weary. Now that's the word. How you burned out, but you're supposed to have your hope in the Lord. It says, they will walk and not be faint. Ain't no faint in FOC. Ain't no faint over here. We don't give up. We don't cave in. We don't quit. We don't back down. We don't turn around. We don't go backwards. Ain't no faint in us. The word of God 
is the thing that keeps us going. Amen? All right, listen, let's go to the next one. Continue learning and growing. This is the thing I got to do. Remember, this is simultaneous. This is simultaneous. Someone says, man, we've been, he's been talking for an hour. Listen, you go to a movie for three hours to see Marvel. You go to a three-hour movie, and when you leave out of there, you're no, you're no better off spiritually. You have to learn to discipline yourself, to sit and hear words. It's why we say we are a teaching ministry and we about to make teaching sexy. Where folks say, I, teach me the word, pastor. I want to hear the word. I want to change. I, don't, get, don't give me no 15-minute message with no three parts and a poem. I don't want that. I want something that's going to change my life. So you got to continue learning and growing. You got to use this time after you have sown your seed to improve yourself. We said you have to nurture your growth. This kind of goes along with you got to continue learning and growing. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. It involves learning. It involves learning scripture, hearing your teacher, hearing your pastors, and life experiences. You're like, you learn things through life experiences. My spiritual father told me years ago, he said, son, he said, if you walk with God long enough, you need to understand there will be times in which you miss him. He said, those are not the times that you run away from God. Those are the times you run to him and let him teach you what you missed. So that the next time the test comes, you can pass the test. So you got to continue learning and growing. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. All these are from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one, verse five. It said, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get some guidance. Let the discerning get some guidance. That's why you need a pastor in your life. I tell people all the time, you need a pastor. I have one. I have a spiritual father. I have a pastor in my life. You need a pastor in your life. Why? Because God said he will give you shepherds after his own heart. Those shepherds, if they're good shepherds, are designed to see the blind spots that you can't see. You know how many times I've been wanting to just lay in the bed on a Saturday and the Lord will wake me up and tell me I need to prepare to start teaching something uh, that I'm going to teach a month or two months in advance because he already know what you need to know? Interrupted my Saturday for you. Why? <laughs> because he wants you to be able to be all you can be. And when I say yes to him, then that means he uses me in order to help you. Proverbs 4 and 7. It says the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. In all thy getting, get an understanding. Get an understanding. Proverbs 9 and 9, it says, Give instruction to the wise man, watch this, and he will be still wiser. Any wise people out there? If I got a wise man or a wise woman watching tonight, go ahead and put a three in the comment section. He says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning. He will increase in his learning. He will absolutely increase in his learning because people who want to be all that God wants for them, they're not looking for the path of least resistance. 
They're not looking to just be a person who goes in the church, sing a couple songs, say hello to a couple people, and then go home and live the same old kind of life they were living before. We got to take back our churches and let them become places that people come and learn and receive revelation from, from places people can see role models, places where people can develop a regimen of faith, and places where people learn to have a righteous resolve rather than them being social clubs. I mean, literally, it's like everybody prides themselves in having a 90-minute service. Oh, man, we in and out. We in and out, doc. We start at 11, we through by 1230, parking lot is clear. Okay, but what are you doing in that 90 minutes? You spend 10 of it doing announcements. You spend 30 of it singing. You got, you got, you got praise dances for another 15 and you're teaching a 15 minute word and the people are suffering. Not so here. Proverbs 18, 15. It says, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. See, you, I, I want to, I'd rather pastor 80 people than 800 if those 80 people had a desire for the word of God. Give me 80 people who have a heart to want to know more about the character of God, about the being of God, how to move with God, how to partner with God, how to discern the times. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar was wise because they could discern the times. I want some folk who can discern the timing of God. Some folk who don't mind sitting under the word. I, I want some folk who say, pastor, listen, we love the music, but even if we don't have music, we want some teaching. We love the fellowship, but we don't want a fellowship till we done got the word. I want 80 people who got that kind of mentality than 80 people who aren't looking to grow in the things of God. The Bible says for the ears of the wise, they seek it out. They seek it out. That's why it doesn't matter what our tribe is doing. We can be at the beach. We can be having fun. We can be laughing. We can be eating. We can be having a big celebratory time. And somebody going to say something about the word. And that conversation is going to take a turn. And for the next hour to 90 minutes, we're going to be talking something about what, God, what God's getting ready to do in our life or what God has done. Why? Because we're, we, we're seeking out what God is saying. What's the other thing I can do? Number five is something you ought to put a pin in because if you do it, it'll take your mind off of when your harvest is coming. Let me say it again. If you start doing number five more often, you won't worry about that harvest. In, in, in fact, you'll, you, you'll sow the seed and, and almost be forgetting about the harvest. Why? Because you'll be serving other people. Get your mind off yourself and start thinking about how God can use you to be a blessing to others. While waiting on your own harvest, find a way to serve others and to contribute positively to your family, to your church, to your community, and to your tribe. Serving other people is a way of serving God. You get to be God's handy, God's handiwork. You get to be his hands in the earth. Get, right, get your mind off yourself. Now, 
it's sometimes easier said than done because the enemy wants us to be selfish. He wants us to be, what, what about me? That's why you have to practice killing this flesh every day. If you don't crucify your flesh, your flesh will scream at you every day, what about me? It will act just like some small, petulant child. You, you, you ever have little kids and you got something you're going to give to every single kid? You, you have, it's 28 kids and you have 28 of the same item you're going to give to every single one. But maybe you start over here on this side of the room. Them kids on the other side of the room start talking about, what about me? What about me? I want one. I want one. That's how so many believers act. God said, I got a blessing for you. But if you will get your mind off the blessing for right now, let me do what I need to do in my time and I'll be over there for you. The Bible says it like this. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read one or two of these. Uh, let me go to. Uh, I got, let me go to Matthew 20, 28. Let me read this one. It says, just as the son of man. Now we're talking about Jesus here, y'all. He says, just as the son of man did not come to what? Be served. But what did he come for? To serve and to do what? Give his life as a ransom for many. If serving was not above Jesus, how was it above you? It's, it's almost... Mm, let me get close to the camera. It's almost ridiculous that a pastor has to ask you to serve in ministry in some place in the church. It's almost ridiculous that you have to be asked to serve once a month. It's almost a shame that someone has to say, would you be willing to come and serve at the place you come to get the word to change your life, please. Jesus served. He came to be a servant. You want to be Christ-like? Learn to serve. Learn to serve others. Learn to serve where you go to church. Learn to serve your family. Learn to serve at your job. Learn to be a servant rather than wanting to be served all the time. Because if you learn to serve, you will be amazed at how many people will serve you. The Bible says if you want to find a friend, guess what you have to do first? Be friendly. You want someone to serve you, serve. Learn to serve others. Let's go to Philippians 2 and 4, studio. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, my God, but also to the interest of others. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. He says, let each of you look to look not only to your own interest. Don't sow your seed and be so concerned about your harvest that before your harvest come, you can't even serve nobody. First Peter 14. We'll finish this one up. First Peter 14. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To do what? To do what? Each of you. Every one of you, 
who will hear this message at this particular place in this broadcast or on the replay. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received in order to serve others. Why? As a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. You only have the talent, skill, and ability to do what you do because God gave it to you. It ain't yours. It ain't yours. And, 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 let, me, and let me help you. A lot of times when people think about serving, they want to serve in some way they can be seen. That ain't necessarily serving. That's having your ego stroked. That's having this spirit of significance that you're trying to get satisfied. Listen, do, and I want you to hear me when I say this because I, I, I'm going to say it a lot more as we start to progress in something. There are really two areas in ministry that people ought to be living. I won't say dying. They should be living to serve in. And that is being a greeter and being an usher. Why? Because if you are a greeter, you are the face of that ministry. If you are an usher, you have been called to be the person to make sure that everything in that ministry operates with such a degree of excellence that the anointing of God is never interrupted. But we've downgraded greeters. greeters. We've, da we've downgraded us. Everybody want to sing. Everybody want to pray. Everybody want to do the announcements. Everybody want to do something that they can. Everybody want to raise a flag. And nothing wrong with any of those things. But we got to get the body of Christ back in order. You know what it means to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord? Those were reverence positions. Those were positions where, where they took their time to select the people who wanted to be the people who greeted the people as they came on the campus. Listen, people think parking lot ministry is, is, is a junk job. It's one of the most important jobs because when people come on your campus, if their first interaction is to not even know where to park or know how to park or know where to go, that can turn them off from even getting a chance to interact with the anointing on that campus. So some of y'all need to think about that. Where are you serving in ministry at Fellowship of Champions? Where could you be serving? And why do you have to keep being asked? Learn to serve others. You start serving others, you won't even notice that your harvest hasn't come in. And before you know it, you'll look up and it'll be not overcame you. All right, this goes along with the next one. Number six, be grateful. Be grateful. Learn to be grateful. Wherever you are in life right now, give God some praise for it. I may not have all of my student loans paid off, but God, I thank you. I might, have not, I might not have the newest car, but God, I got one that starts up every time I turn the key or push the button. God, I thank you. I might not have my dream job, but God, I thank you that I have a job. God, I thank you that I may not be living in the city that I really want to live in, but God, I thank you that while I'm here, I'm going to do everything you've assigned me to do. God, I thank you that I might not be in the best of health, but God, I thank you that I'm not in a hospital bed. Learn to be grateful. Have an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is about recognizing and appreciating the blessings and the provisions God has given you. 
You have no idea how, how many times God has called me personally and then called me and my wife collectively to be a blessing to somebody just because they was grateful. Just because they were, let me, let me help you. Nobody owes you anything. Whatever somebody does for you, they do so out of the kindness of their heart. They don't owe you squat. Do you understand? This entitled generation that we have needs to be corrected. Nobody owes you anything. Listen, your parents, children, don't owe you anything. They don't owe you. And so you got to get to the place where we learn to be thankful. I mean, I, I know people God's giving cars to. I know people who God has paid their rent. I know people who've gotten their student loans paid off. I know people who were sick unto death with COVID. I know people who literally have been healed of cancer and HIV. It cannot be detected in their system. God has blessed them. But because God didn't come through on something else that they wanted, they have walked away from God. You ungrateful individual. And somebody needs to tell you, you're ungrateful. I won't call you sorry, but your attitude is sorry. Your attitude is ungrateful. You have this attitude that if God isn't doing something spectacular for you every single day, you got a funky attitude. And you got to change that. You got to grow up from that. Now, if I'm not talking to you, don't get offended. But if I'm talking to you, change. Because you got to grow up. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And some of you need somebody to talk to you like this. Some of you need somebody to say something to you just this dogmatic and just this stern. And let me say it like I used to say it when we was in church. I ain't scared of none of you. First Thessalonians 5.18 says you need to grow up and learn how to give thanks in every circumstance. Well, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to pay my bills. Give God praise. You can pay him for 27 days then. Let God come through in the other three or four days of the month. But give him praise for what you can do rather than focusing on what you can do. It is the will of God for you to give God praise in every circumstance. The Bible says in Psalms 104, every time you wake up, this is how you ought to approach God. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless or praise his name. Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks always. Give thanks always and for everything, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You ought to be writing these scriptures down. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether you do it in word or whether you do it in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, if we was in church right now, i have you give God a 13 second of praise. Now, you might not be able to do it over this internet, but you know what you can do? You can type 13 in the comment section. 
If you're giving God some praise right now, type 13 in the comment section. Everybody ought to be giving God some praise. You ought to be repenting right now. Say, God, I thank you for being ungrateful. God, I thank you that I haven't done more to serve others. God, I repent for not being a continual learner. God, I thank you that I had an old nasty, funky attitude and I did not stay positive even when I had every right to be. God, I thank you that I neglected my growth. I neglected the teaching. I didn't go and listen to the messages I was supposed to. I didn't read my word every day. I didn't pray in the Holy Spirit every day. I didn't take communion weekly. Father, I thank you that I stopped believing every time something bad came my way. I thank you that I, I, I thank you that I repent for using my words against me. He says, be thankful. Be thankful. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 107 verse 1. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You wonder why I stay the way I stay. You wonder why Sean Strickland stay the way we stay. This is what we eat. This is what we eat. If you're like, oh my God, I never even saw these scriptures. You need to inundate yourself with this word. We live in the most technological age there's ever been. You got Google, you got chat, GPT, you got Blue Letter Bible, you got God's Way Bible. You have translations of the Bible that you probably ain't never even heard of. If you can sit around on the Tiki Talk and you can watch those videos, if you can sit around on Facebook Reels, if you can be on Threads, if you can be on Spiel, if you can be on every social media platform it is and you can't name 10 scriptures, change. Change. Because nobody is going to walk this out for you. And I don't want you mad in 2024 when you see other people receiving harvest and you aren't when you haven't done what they've done. Somebody type in the comment section. So you got to do the work. You got to do the work. And then here's the last thing you need to do. You got to trust the process. You got to trust the process and not just trust the process. You got to trust the God of the process. You got to trust the God of the process. My spiritual mother used to say this all the time. She still does. And I get it now, but she used to say this all the time. She would say, son, just believe God. And I didn't know what to admit at the time. I was like, I am believing God. I wasn't, but I thought I was. But then I got a revelation, which is what we talked about on Sunday. I got an illumination of what it means to actually believe God. You got to have faith in God. You got to have faith that his timing is perfect. You got to have faith that his plan is perfect. You got to have faith that his will is perfect. You got to have faith that his way is perfect. You must believe that God is in total control and that he is working things out for your good, even in the face of your current situation that may seem challenging. It may seem challenging. What you're facing right now may be hard. You may have lost your job. You may be in a financial pinch. You may have a health challenge. You may have wayward children. That relationship may be all messed up right now. But you got to believe that God is in control. 
And it can't just be with intellect. It's got to be with this. Remember those four things we've been talking about you got to tame? Remember we've been talking about that for, for months. We said you got to tame your thoughts. We said you got to tame your tongue. You have to tame your temperament or tame your heart. And then you got to tame your team. Some of you, if you can't trust the process and you're around a whole bunch of other people who don't trust the process, get from around them. Find you some faith-believing people. Find you some people who agree with you. Find you some people with crazy faith. The Bible says this in Psalms 37 and 5. It says, commit, commit, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will, and he will act. He will act. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and submit to him and he will make your path straight. You got to commit your ways to the Lord. You got to trust in him. He will act on your behalf. Let's look at Jeremiah 29 11, one of my favorite scriptures. One of my favorite scriptures. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to do what? Come on, somebody. You know this one. To prosper you and not to harm you. Somebody needs to type that. Say, God means me no harm. God means me no harm. It says he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. I'm talking about understanding this cycle of seed, time, and harvest. Once I sow my seed, what do I need to be doing before my harvest comes in? So many of you are worried and complaining in between that time, and that's not producing the harvest for you. It's not releasing it for you. You haven't grown up to receive it. The Bible says this in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is the thing that keeps me anchored. It is why I can sow every time God tells me to sow and I don't flinch anymore. I don't flinch. If God tells me to clear out my savings account to sow, I'll do it. God tells me to cancel a vacation I was about to pay for, I'll do it. God tells me not to buy something in my house in order to sow the seed that I need. To, I'll do it. Notice what I said. If God tells me, not because I go to some service and get emotionally charged, not because somebody plays that organ like I ain't never heard them play before, not because I get goosebumps, I obey the word of God. Why? Because God means me no harm. And if I am willing to do what God has told me to do, I can live at a level that my intellect and my own abilities would never get me to live at. Isaiah 26 and 3, last scripture. It says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord will keep in perfect peace anyone whose mind, what's your mind? It's part of your soul. It's your, it's your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. 
It says the Lord will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is steadfast or your mind is stayed on him. Why would your mind be stayed on him in the first place? Because you trust in him. Pastor Ralph put it in the comment section. You must do the work. You must do the work. Pastor Sean and I cannot preach you into this. Pastor Ralph can't preach you into this. Pastor Chandra can't preach you. Pastor Nitra can't preach you. Pastor Chris can't sing you into this. Elder Valley can't play you into this. Mama Sand can't greet you into this. You have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to do the work. And if you are willing to do the work, the work happens in between the time that you sow your seed and receive your harvest. If you do the work, I'm telling you, you won't eat. The reason the Bible tells us in Hosea, it says that there is coming a time, and you know we've said this before. The Bible says there is coming a time that you're going to receive a blessing quick on the heels of another blessing. And that those blessings are going to come so fast one after another, that it's going to make your head spin. It's going to make your head spin. One blessing on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. When do I get to see that, Pastor Edwin? When you perfect what happens between the time of sowing your seed and receiving your harvest. That's when you get to live the lifestyle of one blessing after another, after another, after another, after another, quick on the heels of another. That's when you get to see it. When you start to activate your faith, when you activate your faith after you've sown your seed, when you learn to nurture your own growth after you've sown your seed. When you learn to stay positive and not allow your mouth to ruin what God is doing in your life after you've sown your seed. When you become a continuous learner, when you understand that there are still things about faith. What I know about faith now is so different than what I knew 20 years ago. And it's going to be different than what I know 10 years from now. Why? Because God's going to keep sharing more and more revelation with me as he can trust me. And then number five, man, start serving other people. Stop wanting your pastor to do all the work. Stop wanting your pastor. Somebody, somebody need to say, there's something I can take off my pastor's plate. Somebody say, there's something I can take off of the five greeters plate. There's something I can take off of somebody else's plate. I can do something. I don't care if it ain't but turn the lights on. I can be the best turner light on person FOC's ever had. But you got to be willing to serve. And I know we're a virtual ministry. And so some of you live other places, but you can serve where you live. You can teach these teenagers in, in, in Ignite. I know you can teach. Some of y'all have led small groups at your other churches. Lead one here. Come on and teach these cheering. And then number six, be grateful. Stop being ungrateful. Thank the Lord for what he's already given you. Thank the Lord for what he's given you. Thank the Lord what he's given you. 
I tell people all the time, I guarantee you, it wouldn't take me 24 hours to take one of you right now and find somebody who would absolutely change every place with you in your life. They take every problem you got. They take every issue. They take every sickness. They take everything you think is a burden. They would hold on to every bit of it to give you what they got. So be grateful. And then trust the God of the process. Trust the God of the process. And if you will learn to trust the God of the process, I am telling you, you will start to see some amazing things happen in your life. Now, I took 90 minutes to teach that, and that's okay. I appreciate those of you who hung on. So before you go, before you click off, let me just do this. I declare in the name of Jesus that there is a release an anointing that's on my life that I am commanding to be on your life, to be a person who loves the study of the word of God. And as a result, I am declaring for everyone who will do the work that there be a supernatural reduction in the time between seed time and harvest in your life. Just like my wife said a few months ago, maybe even a year or so ago, I am declaring that there's going to be a five to one acceleration in your life. There is a five to one acceleration in your life, but it will not show up magically. You are going to have to do the work. That's right, Miss Coleman. I receive it. If you receive it, you ought to be saying that tonight. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I will not allow this word to fall on deaf ears. I receive that word. And I don't just receive it. I receive it and I act on it. I receive it and I act on it. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies. I can't wait to, I can't wait for folk to start saying, Pastor, my student loans was paid off. Pastor, I paid my car off. Pastor, I wasn't supposed to have my house paid off for another 10 years. And, and, and we, God gave us a plan and we paid it off in five or it got supernaturally paid off. Somebody paid off my house. Listen, we don't care how it gets done. We're believing God for it. We're believing God for it. Amen. Listen, I've already done all the announcements. I did those earlier because I knew I was going to be a little long. I hope I can see you at the huddle this weekend. I hope I can see you at the huddle. Parents, get your kids to Victory Zone. Get them to Victory Zone. That's going to happen on Saturday. Get them to Victory Zone. You the parent. You can make them go. You make them do everything else. And then I'd love to see you guys on Sunday. We're going to have a high time in the Lord. Listen, we what y'all teaching about on Sunday? This, <laughs> this, we've been in this since October. We're not backing off of this. We got a lot of things we need to dig up and a lot of things we need to correct. There is nothing wrong with seed time and harvest. It is a principle of God. And he gave it immediately after the flood and said, as long as the earth remains, this principle is going to work. And we've allowed the devil to talk us out of it far too long to keep us broke, busted, and disgusted. But not no more. Not no more. As for me and my house, as for me and FOC, we about to live this good life. We about to live this Isaiah 119 life that says, if you would just partner with me, if you would just obey me, 
<laughs> he says it like this in the I think it's the is it the passion translation? I think he says it like this. He says, "I will make you rich if you would just partner with me. If you would just obey me, I'll make you rich." Don't forget about being a partner. Go to www.focchurch.com. Scroll down and complete that partnership registration. Well, I already have a church home. Good. Can I still partner with you? Yep. You sure can. Because what is partnership? Partnerships mean we pray for you. You pray for us. It means we sow the word into your life. When the Lord directs you, you sow finances into our life. It means that if we come to your area or to your city and we're teaching the word, you come out, you support, you tell other people about it, and you we partner together to make sure that this word is being taught in every corner of the earth. Why? Because we believe that God wants to do something supernatural in the life of believers so that people can stop leaving the church and going out to the world looking for what they have. They're leaving what's real and going to look for a counterfeit because they don't see power. They don't see the demonstration of power here. So they're going out to the world and looking at crystals. They're looking at, 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 at being a good witch. Uh, they're talking about the universe. They're talking about manifesting. They're trying to take pieces of what God has in his kingdom and use it over there. But even at its best, it's just a counterfeit. We're talking about using what God has for his people in his kingdom. Amen. And we don't have to try to go out there in the world and get what they have and try to mix kingdom with the world. We've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God bless you. You all have a wonderful night and I will see you guys. Remember, Friday morning, 6.30 p.m. is when the champions gather. And so we want you to gather for uh, champion circle, 6.30 a.m. prayer on Friday. Amen. God bless you. Love you guys. See you later.